And then we'll go over to the New Testament and get into the book of Acts. Did I say Proverbs? I'll get it together. Psalm. Yeah, there is no Proverb 89. I do know that. <laughs> yeah, what Bible are you reading, Pastor Chris? Psalm 89. Thank you. Psalm 89. Hallelujah. I'm excited about today. God talked to me about today. And uh, I love how God orders things. You know, just the mentions of Ecclesiastes in the Connect class pre-service, and then mine, and then he used it, and then he, he quoted the inverse, which really just quickened something new to me, you know, about what we talked about last week. Last week, the Lord had us, if you missed it, uh, you could go back to our website, our podcast, go back and listen to that. The Lord had put it on my heart to talk to us about the fear of the Lord and the place that the fear of the Lord is to have in all of our lives. Amen? And he quoted the last... Uh, the second to the last verse there in Ecclesiastes that the uh, man on earth other than Jesus Christ that God gave the most wisdom to, Solomon, right? He said, let me just sum up the whole thing for you. What did he say? Fear God. Fear God. Amen? Uh, so thank you for the segue. Praise God. And uh, as I prayed and meditated, studied this week, it seemed uh, good to my heart to go further with this subject and uh, let's approach the fear of the Lord as it ought to be approached. It's not a, it doesn't have to be, it isn't intended to be a corrective type of message. Amen? Uh, what the Lord shared with me yesterday that I intend to share with you over the next few minutes was just such a positive, uplifting, uh, something I've not really seen in that light before. And I pray that I'm able to communicate it to you the way God seemed to be able to communicate it to me. Amen? Psalm 89, verse 7, starting there, it says that God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints. Amen? So he's talking specifically about settings like this. When the believers, when God's people gather, amen, God is to be greatly feared. I studied even the word greatly this week, and it means a large, abundant, super abundant quality and quantity in this case. So there's supposed to be a whole lot of godly fear present and flowing when the saints gather together. Amen? Amen? And so that's only going to happen when everyone who joins the assembly comes with their own contribution of godly fear. So my message title last week was A Fear You Need. Now, like I said, normally I'm against fear because God's against fear. God hasn't given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Hundreds of places we are encouraged in the Bible, told, commanded in the Bible, do not fear. But here he's talking about a fear we are commanded to have, that we are told to have. And as I outlined again in my message last week, uh, the many, if you take Job, just Job, Psalms, and Proverbs, and you take the phrases on the fear of the Lord and all of the blessings attached, amen, I, may, I just turned that into a paragraph that took me several minutes to read last week, amen? The Bible says that the fear of the Lord prolongs life, prolongs days. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. Amen? The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the starting place, the beginning place for all wisdom and all knowledge. 
Amen? In other words, it doesn't matter how smart we are, how many degrees we have, uh, all of the things that we could boast about intellectually, uh, praise God, no one has even begun to, to enter into true wisdom and knowledge until they have in their own life the fear of God. Amen? What is the fear of God? Well, in one place the Bible says the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. To hate it. Not to tolerate it, not to be buddy-buddy with it, not to make compromises with things that God calls evil. But if we have the fear of the Lord operating in our life, we, we don't hate people. But we hate evil. If you've been coming to Wednesday nights, the Lord's been having me talk about faith and how to get answers to our prayers. And uh, we talked on Wednesday night about doubt. And do you know that God, in Numbers chapter, uh, Numbers chapter 14, called doubt evil? What would you all expect Pastor Chris to do if uh, I found out that a child predator was attending this church with the intent? What would you expect Pastor to do? Drive them out. Because that's evil. Right? What if I found uh, uh, someone uh, regularly attending the church that was uh, selling dope in the bathroom? What would you expect pastor to do about that? Because it's evil, right? It's evil, evil thing. But what if you saw Pastor Chris running Sister Blabbermouth on a, out on a rail out of the church because of she was peddling her doubt? A lot of people would be going, oh, look at Pastor being so mean, he ain't got no love. Well, if doubt is evil, I mean, let's just, there's, there's no need, there's no point in ranking evil, right? If it's evil, it's evil. I run some brother out of the church because he just keeps peddling doubt. And you know, Don't get mad at me. <laughs> I got your attention now, don't I? <laughs> Hallelujah. What does this verse say? God is to be what? Greatly feared. We're commanded to fear the Lord. So this has obviously got to be some sort of fear different from the other fears we're commanded that we're not to have. Amen. Well, we're not supposed to fear God like we would fear a rattlesnake or the edge of a cliff. Amen. No. Uh, God is our Father. He is our loving Abba. He is our heavenly Father. Amen. But what this word fear means is that we are to stand in awe of Him. I mean, if you and I were to be given what uh, Isaiah was given, just a moment, just a glimpse of God, uh, seeing the trail uh, of His robe fill the temple, you, you and I would probably do exactly what that prophet of God did, fall on His face and be overcome with the awareness of His own sinfulness. He said, I've, oh, Father, forgive me, I'm a man of unclean lips. What? He just got one glimpse. Just a moment. The Bible says when Jesus appeared to John on the island of Patmos that he fell on his face as one man dead. Amen. So God is our Father. But we need to, maintain, we need to understand a, and have a fuller view than maybe what the church at large is creating from the pulpit in the minds of people. Is God love? Yes, He is. He is love. Is God long-suffering with us? I know He is. He has been that with me. Amen? Is God merciful? 
Is he slow to anger? Is he plenteous in mercy? Aren't you glad? We celebrate these attributes of God. But you know, these attributes are not the only attributes the Bible tells us about this God that is our Father, this God that we serve. The Bible also says that God is a consuming fire. He is the righteous judge of all the world. He is holy. He is just. He is the Almighty. He is God who reigns supreme. Amen? And so when we have the fear of the Lord, we have a, a biblical balanced understanding of who He is and when we get a glimpse of who He is, then we respond in kind in that we approach Him, yes, and He's our Father, yes, and we have a free-flowing fellowship with Him, but there is a reverence. I didn't finish the verse, did I? God is to be greatly feared in the assembly of the saints and to be had or held in reverence, amen, of all them that are about Him. Now this reverence, this awe, this respect, this, you know, if, if, if you children were raised right, you have a fear of mom and dad. <laughs> if you were raised right, before you disobeyed, before you didn't take out the trash, before you decided to rebel against your parents' wishes, you, you may not have wanted to do it, maybe you, if any other way you would have not done it, but out of an understanding of who they are and what they could do to your backside. You did it. The Bible says that the fear of the Lord turns people away from evil. Turns them from death. Right? There's a lot of things you know, in my life. I, I know enough about God now, having served Him all these years, uh, that uh, I would fear living outside of His will for my life. Not because I think God's going to hit me with a heavenly flash water. But I understand that disobedience is a serious thing. Hello. We could all use more fear of the Lord. Let's go to Acts chapter 5. Now, here is um, an example of how I hope that World Harvest Church does not have to learn the fear of the Lord. You know, the Bible says we can be taught the fear of the Lord. We can choose the fear of the Lord. Or the fear of the Lord could just happen to you. <laughs> Amen. Let's read several verses here. Are you with me? Verse 1, chapter 5 and verse 1. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira his wife sold a possession. Now this possession was a piece of land, a parcel of land. And they kept back part of the price his wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it. Notice they brought a part, which is fine, amen, and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart? You know, the, there's no um, exaggeration in the New Testament, in the Bible anywhere, unnecessary language, just bombastic language. I'm searching for another adjective to get it, but you understand? It had said Satan filled his heart. Guess what? Satan filled his heart. To lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the Lamb. 
Now, it's not their sin to have land, sell land, and not give in an offering all of the proceeds of the land sale. You'll see that here, and that's not the sin. But the sin here, you, you know this story, the sin is, is how they represented what they did. They wanted to be counted among all the other believers that had sold land, because this was happening. They sold land, and they gave all of it. They gave all of it, which was their choice to do. Right? And there would have been no sin in them coming in saying, Peter, listen, uh, we sold this uh, 50 acres, and we got uh, so many shekels of silver for this, and here's half of it. We're going to put the rest in a retirement fund or go on vacation. That would have been fine. But that's not what they did. They played it off like we gave all like, every, like the others gave all. Only they didn't. Amen? And uh, so... Praise God. Verse 4 verifies what I'm saying. Whiles it remained, while it remained, was it, not in, was it not your own? After it was sold, was it not in your own power? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied unto men, but unto God. When we tell lies to people, how does God see it? Okay, y- y'all got real... Quiet on me right there. Did y'all hear the volume go? (laughs) Amen. Y'all aren't lying out there, are you? You're not lying to people, are you? Remember where you are. Remember what passage we're in. All right. Hallelujah. You have lied to God. Now, and Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost. Don't you love King James? What does he mean, gave up? He died. He fell dead in front of Peter and these other disciples. And what does it say? Great fear. Great fear. You'd be like, yeah, buddy. Amen. Great fear came on all them that heard these things. And the young men arose and wound him up, carried him out, and buried him. And it was about the space of three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what was done. And Peter answered unto her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, Yeah. Y-E-A, right? Yay, for so much. Then Peter said unto her, How is it that you have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried your husband are at the door. They shall carry thee out. Then she fell down straight away at his feet and yielded up the ghost. That means she died. And the young men came out and found her out dead. What if we had a couple tombstones out here? Amen. You came up to help with the church grounds and said, uh, What meaneth this? What meaneth this? You know, every Thursday on campus we speak King James for fun, so... No, I'm just kidding. What, what meaneth these two crosses, Brother Rex, who's our Leeds groundskeeper, said, well, Wednesday night, you know, the Smithlands lied about their offering. And the ushers just carried him out here and buried him. Really? Yeah, really. That would be something else. Can you imagine? This is not, as uh, Brother Brian, Brother Chris said, Amen. Not just, a sto- not just a story. It's a testimony of what really happened. 
in church one day. Now, like I said, my prayer is this is how I hope we don't have to learn about the fear of the Lord. <laughs> I, don't, I didn't get 100% agreement on that. Wow. And so, but I, I, I wanted to read this passage not just because of uh, what happened here, the dramatic happening, and the result was the fear of God, but let's keep reading a few more verses and we'll make a, a larger point. So in verse 11 it says, And great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things. And by the hands of the apostles were many, everyone say many, many, many signs and wonders worked or wrought among the people. And they were with one accord in uh, Solomon's porch. And the rest, there's no man join himself to them. In other words, outsiders heard about this incident. And they just didn't frivolously come and want to be part of their group. Because people who do wrong in their group fall dead. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. And, uh, and so... Uh, the people magnified the Christians. In verse 14, And believers were the more added to the Lord. Multitudes, everyone say multitudes. Multitudes, multitudes both of men and women. Insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. And there came also a multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem, bringing sick folks and those that were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed every one. Amen. Now, I again, did he just shift topics all of a sudden? Is, this, is what happened here totally unrelated? Come on, do we want to see in churches around the a region, God adding multitudes of believers to our local churches? Yes. I'm believing for revival. I'm believing for God's end time harvest of souls to come in. Do we want to see, again I quoted, uh, I know people believe different about this, this is where I stand, uh, Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ the same. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews chapter 1 says about Jesus in His earthly life and ministry that He is the physical personification of who the Father is and what the Father wants. Jesus said to Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father also. Amen? And He never changes. So if it was His will to do miracles back then, it's His will to do miracles today. Amen. Amen. If it was His will to heal people healed back then, then it's His will to heal people today. Amen. 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 Well, notice, when great fear came upon the congregation, with that came great miracles. We have a miracle crusade coming up in a month. Could it be this might be part of the reason why God is having me emphasize this? Amen. Now again, we don't have to see someone fall dead because they did wrong in a Christian gathering. Amen. The Bible says we can choose the fear of the Lord. I choose the fear of the Lord. Amen. And you know, I've prayed this, Father, before. And listen, I don't advise you praying this unless you're really serious. But I have prayed before, Father, teach me the fear of the Lord. Now, I would not pray that if you're not really sincere. Because in order for him to do that, he may have to pull back the veil and blind your eyes with his glory for a few days. Right? 
Or he may, uh, because the fear of the Lord is respect. The fear of the Lord is reverence. The fear of the Lord is dishonor. For him to teach you the fear of the Lord, he may have to talk to you about areas you don't mean to, you don't see it, but areas in our attitudes, our approaches, that we are being disrespectful. Can you handle that and not run off? Can you handle that and not backslide? Can you hear your God use your pastor point out some things and behaviors in church, amen, that are really manifestations of disrespect and dishonor? Do you think if you had an invitation to come bodily before the throne of God where the four living creatures with eyes to them swirl about crying, holy, 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 oh, holy, 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 and the rainbow and the thunders and the lightnings and everything we see uh, described about the throne that God sits on and you get to go bodily in there for 10 minutes, would you take a casual approach? I said, would you take a casual approach? Why do we take a casual approach when we come together to meet God? Why do we take church so casually? I'm not trying to turn it, and God's not trying to turn it into some stiff, you know, burdensome thing. Amen. But we must remember, who is He? And what is this thing that we call church? But a divine, sovereign gathering together of God's holy people. To do what? To worship Him. To exalt Him. To encounter Him. To hear from Him. If you go back and read Exodus 19, uh, we're not turning there, but uh, God bless you. He said, uh, He told Moses, You go and tell the people, I'm giving you three days. The, th- the people have three days. I'm going to meet the people. I'm coming down on the mountain. The people are going to meet me. I'm going to meet the people in three days. And He said, Tell them to clean up, clean, get themselves cleaned up, wash their clothes. Now, I know that's Old Testament type and shadow for purity. He said, tell the husbands, don't come at their wives sexually. Because on the third day, I'm coming down. And then when he did show up, the mountain cracked, the mountain quaked, the thunder and the lightning and the fire, and they they heard God's audible voice come down off the mountain, and they, they were in full retreat. Amen. Listen, part of church is fellowship. And in fellowship, we should smile and we should laugh and we should talk and we should have a good time. But church is not just about entertainment, socializing, and fellowship. Amen? And we need to be able to flip the switch. I said we need to be able to flip the switch from talking about events of the week and sports and your favorite hobby and flip that switch and come into the sanctuary and bring our fear and bring our honor, bring our respect, bring our attention. Bring our very best to what God is doing. I, I, you know, one of the things I want to get over to us is, do you see the link between great fear coming on the church and greater miracles of healing? It says people got delivered that were vexed. That means tormented with evil spirits. And a multitude, multitudes of believers were saved because God's people were walking in a proper... What is that, Father? attitude toward who He is and what we're doing here as Christians. Hallelujah. Now let's quickly go over to Genesis chapter 2 because time's going to get away from me. God really began to just speak to me yesterday, and I don't mean I heard an audible voice, but just down in my heart. And uh, in meditating on the fear of the Lord, this is just the Cliff Notes synopsis 
trying to be respectful of all of your time. Summary. He said, really, son, one of the ways you could sum up the fear of the Lord is submission to my authority. We demonstrate a lack of regard and respect, therefore a lack of God's fear in our lives, when we do not live submitted to Him. Submitted to God's authority. Now, I understand the day and culture that we're living in today. I understand the prevailing mindset, that this rebellious mindset we have in our U.S. culture, I don't submit to anybody. We have students that want to dictate what's going on in classrooms. We don't recognize authority anymore. Listen, you bring that mentality in and you try to approach God and deal with God that way, that's not going to work. Amen? Now remember I said this is not a down thing. This is, I hope I can get this over in the next 10 minutes or so. How wonderful, wonderful, wonderful submitting to God's authority is and what it produces. So anyway, God said to me, my children, many of my children are making decisions that I never authorized them to make. In other words, they're making decisions that do not reflect their submission to Him, their yieldedness to Him. You know, God in creation, He gave Adam and Eve, and therefore since we all came from them, He gave them free will. And what does that mean? He gave Brother Brian the capacity to make any decision he wants to make. But do you realize capacity and God's authorization are two different things? I have the capacity to go down to the Dollar General and rob it. Would God authorize that decision? No. But listen, here, here, I'm trying to summarize. When we make decisions we have the capacity to make, but they are not God-authorized decisions, This is the result every time, eventually. Death and destruction. Death and destruction. Amen? In Genesis chapter 2, in verse number 7, it says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. You know, if I were to go into my shop, I do not have this capacity, I don't think, and create something, make something, is it mine? Is it mine? If I create something from nothing, do I have the moral, legal right to define what I, the purpose of what I made? The use for what I made it? The bounds of its use. Well, this doesn't just apply to Christians, but it applies more so to Christians, right? But how many humans did God make? All the ones you see. David, many centuries after this, he said, for I was fearfully and wonderfully made in my mother's womb. So if God is your creator, and He is, does He have the right to define your purpose? He has the right to, does that mean, okay then, do you then have the right 
to define your purpose? Do I? Now judge ourselves. Good point. Am I, is that what I'm doing? Your purpose, your aims, your direction, your pursuits. Who authored those? Yeah, who, who authored that? Well, I made that decision. Did God authorize that decision? Or are you operating out of your human God-given capacity? And it's the fear of the Lord that would prevent me from making a choice I had the capacity to make, but that God didn't authorize. Amen. Sometimes it's okay for it to get quiet. That means you're thinking. That means you're taking it in. Hallelujah. So God is the one that formed. God is the one that, he, we, we said it, He is our breath, we sang that this morning. It's His breath in our lungs. And look at verse 8. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. Who did it? God did it. And there He suggested. There He hoped. No, it says there He put the man. Does God as our Creator have a right to put us? Put us in a city. Put us in a time frame. Put us in a church. Put us under a pastor. Put us in a career path. Put us in a pursuit. Come on now. Hallelujah. And so that's what he did. He put the man in the garden that he had formed. Then he made all the other stuff. Well, let's read that. It's important. And out of the ground, God uh, caused, the Lord God caused to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life, also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In this garden, there were many trees. But two specifically, notice this, there's the tree of life, and then there's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So you have these two trees, and then God commanded and instructed the man again. Is that right? Verse 15, and the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. That was his assignment. What is your assignment? Well, your Father will tell it to you if you pray and sincerely ask Him. Amen? And the Lord God, does it say He suggested? Verse 16, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of evil. Now, notice, of every tree, amen, they could freely eat. That would include the tree of life. That would include the tree of life. Is that not right? But the one other tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they were commanded not to eat of it. For in the day that you eat thereof, you will surely die. So God created the man. He owns the man. He's got the right to define man's purpose. He put the man. He assigned the man. He gave him his assignment. And then he warned him. He said, now you have the capacity, uh, God give my capacity, I gave you to choose. I'm telling you, choose to eat of all the other trees and the tree of life, but not this one. And then he had said, uh, have dominion in a previous, bless the man, have dominion, and subdue the earth. There's only two forms of evil they could encounter in that day. 
That is to disobey his command and to eat of that tree or and or to yield to the one, the one enemy that was out there that was the serpent, God, Satan, the, the fallen, you know, devil. Yeah. That's the only way you could commit evil. Yeah. Now, just what is the beginning, Rex? What is the beginning of knowledge? What is the beginning of wisdom? The fear of the Lord. We know they made a choice in chapter 3, did they not? Let's read a few verses there. Not going to. You guys, you guys are good? You with me? I believe you are. Verse 1, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath, yea, hath God said. Notice the very first thing that this serpent does is he challenges God's word. Listen, the devil's going to come to you and I, circumstance, and challenge the word of God. And if you don't have the fear of the Lord operating in your life, one of the symptoms of that is, is that the Word won't carry the kind of weight. Does the Word of God, does the Bible carry weight in your life? It doesn't if it's easy for you to live and act contrary to what it says. Hello? We heard it this morning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. If you fear God, you fear His Word. I said, if you fear God, you fear His Word. If you, have, if you stand in awe of God, then you stand in awe of His Word. If you tremble at God, you tremble at His Word. Amen? If you have respect for God, you respect His Word. His Word needs to carry weight in your life. And Satan comes along and does what he always He challenged, did God say? Has God really said? And then Eve answered. And then the devil drops his lie. I said, the devil drops his lie. That's not it. The Lord does know that the day that you eat of this tree, that you will know like he does, both good and evil. In other words, God's holding out on you. He's holding back something from you, something good, something you ought to have. And the Bible says that Eve, when she saw that the tree was good for food, Amen? And a tree to make one wise. She committed all those sins John talked about in 1 John. The lust of the eyes. The fruit looked good. Right? The lust of the flesh. Appetite. Wanting what you shouldn't want. The pride of life. A tree to make me wise. Three basic... All of our... Uh, Sins and temptations, they flow from one of those three roots. Yep. It's either the lust of your eyes, the lust of your flesh, the pride of life. Mm -hmm. And she took and ate and gave to her husband and ate. So notice, she chose evil because she decided not to fear God. Yeah. Because to fear God is the beginning of wisdom. And she was easily talked out of what God said. She was easily convinced of a different, quote-unquote, truth. Amen. Amen? They both made a decision they had the capacity to make, but God didn't authorize them to make. And here's, what the, here's the sum of the whole matter, all right? 
they chose to endeavor to live independent of God. They chose to come out from underneath God's supreme authority over them. What was the result? Was it liberty? Was it what the world promises? If it feels good, do it. It's all good. Your truth, my truth, it's all fine. Liberty, liberty, fun, fun, freedom, freedom. No, no, ma'am, no. What was the result? What did I tell you earlier? Destruction and death. What it meant was the loss of everything good. They lost the blessing. They lost the glory. They lost their approach to God. They lost their dominion. And they became slaves of the enemy and slaves of sin. They subjected themselves and all humanity to the curse. God said, my children, too many of my children are making decisions. Hello? That they have the capacity to make, but I didn't authorize them to make. And it is bringing about loss, harm, the loss of blessing. Let's close in one more passage over here in the book of James. Y'all getting anything out of this? I've heard, I can't take credit for this statement, but it came up in my study yesterday. See, if we will learn the joy and the blessing of submitting to God, see, if you'll fear God, you will fear nothing else. If you'll fear God, you will fear no man. I'd rather fear one, fear God, and not fear anyone else. See, because if I've got God backing me up, if you've got God backing you up, His power and His glory and His angels and His word and His might and His spirit backing you up, come on. See, God, think about how wonderful of a life God intended Adam and Eve to have. Under the dominion of God, they were in charge of all they surveyed. They were the master of all they surveyed. When they named a cow a cow, bless God, there was no debate. The cow's a cow and the horse is a horse. And a goat is a goat because Adam said it. Amen? He had absolute dominion over the serpent, over the devil. He, he said, the gold is mine. Here's where the gold is. God said, Adam, go dig it out. I mean, God intended and authored an abundant, amazing, glorious, happy life. And it was all predicated, live, submitted to me. Don't make any decisions I don't authorize. They chose not to. And so many Christians today, they want just enough of God and just enough of Jesus to miss hell. But they want to make all their other decisions totally independent of what He authorizes. And the devil, he is a rebel. He is the author of rebellion. And he wants us, the way, if he can get you to rebel against parents, rebel against Teachers rebel against civil authority, rebel against governing authority. Amen. Then you're then a human becomes practiced in rebellion. And they and they bring that into church with them. And they can't be told by a pastor or a church leader where to stand and what the dress code is and how what the protocol is here. They won't take that. And so they go heap up. You know, entertainment pastors to tickle their ears. Hello. Thing is, you could be entertained places, but you won't have miracles. If entertainment is what you value, it's out there. 
I would just choose like Sunday morning NFL versus going to some entertainment church. I mean, that's just me. If I'm out for entertainment. <laughs> Hello. But I want to learn about God and I want to please God and I know I need to be around God's family. And we need to practice. You know, part of submitting to God's authority is submitting to authority He has set up and delegated. We don't have time to go there, but like in Romans 13, it says, let every man be subject. Let every man be subject to the governing authorities. Now, he means righteous authority, right? Because Peter and the disciples, they disobeyed Pharisaical, you know, governing authority when they were commanded not to preach in the name of Jesus. And they said, we're not submitting to you. Forget that. I'm going to obey God rather than man. See, it's okay to to disobey man's authority to obey God. (laughs) Amen? But if it's not unscriptural, immoral, or unethical, amen, and it's a governing authority, we should submit. I said we should submit. When a police officer pulls you over, you ought to be respectful. Romans 13 says they're God's instrument. I said, amen. Amen. Anyway, closing here. James chapter 4. Praise the Lord. Verse 1. From whence comes wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence from your lusts and and that war in your members? You lust and you have not. You kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you have not because you ask not. And you ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lusts. Okay, strong language, you ready? You adulterers and adulteresses. Who's he talking to? He's talking to God's people. You adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship of the world is enmity with God? That means you make yourself an enemy of God. Whosoever will therefore be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit that dwells in us lusts to envy? In other words, the, God is a jealous God. He doesn't want to share you with the world. Well, too bad. He made you. I said he made you. Huh. Praise the Lord. He's a jealous God. But right here. But he gives more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resists The proud, people who refuse to fear Him, respect Him, and live underneath His authority. He resists those folks. But He gives grace, ability, favor to the humble. Last verse for the day. Verse 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, unto God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Do you see it? Submission to God is a wonderful thing, powerful thing, a great thing. And it's really only through living your life day by day properly, as best you know how you're growing. Father, I give my life to you. I recognize you're God, and I'm not. I think that'd be a great confession. Let's just all say this with our mouth. God, your God, and I'm not. Come on, that'll help you. (laughs) 
He's God, and I'm not. And so, Father, I give my life to you. I submit my life to you, and that means His Word. And I fear you. See, you become His child, His representative. And when you go out and live your life under that umbrella, you will fear no man. You will fear no disease. You will fear no criminal. You will fear no evil deed. I'm telling you, amen. amen. Congregation, choose the fear of the Lord. All humans are subject to authority. You don't get to live independent. You cannot be your own man or your own woman. It's a deception to believe that. Human spirits are neutral spirits, and they shall be governed in the spirit realm by either God and His kingdom or the devil and His kingdom. And by submitting to God, you get to live in the light. You get to live in the blessing. Are you with me? How many of you here, by raising your hand, you, you choose the fear of the Lord this morning? Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you today.